0: Romans chapter 6, I want to read the first seven verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. But we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now I have here, I don't know whether you can see this, this is my wedding ring, a little platinum wedding ring here, it's a little bit scratched, it needs needs a bit of a polish, but uh, this is very special. Twelve years, three months, 29 days ago, Anna placed this ring on my finger in the context of making some promises, some vows to me, to love me, and honor me, and obey me, and submit to me. (laughs) meet my every need as long as we both... It took me quite a while to write her vows, to do all of these things. And I said some similar things to her, I think, and put a ring on her finger as well. Of course, in the context of us getting married, I want to suggest that the, the wedding ring, the humble wedding ring, is an illustration of what baptism is like. That the role a wedding ring plays in the context of a marriage ceremony is similar to the role that baptism plays in the Christian life. Because after all, becoming a follower of Jesus is a bit like a marriage. Not that you're getting married to Jesus as such, but you are making a profound commitment when you give your life to Jesus. You're deciding to enter into an intimate relationship, a significant relationship, where he becomes central, where he becomes the defining reality in your life. Now, when when Anna and I put these rings on each other's fingers, it's not the wedding rings that made us married, right? It's it's not actually placing—you could have a marriage ceremony— Without wedding rings. It's not the rings themselves. It's, it's the vows that we made to each other. It's the promises of our heart. It's the commitment that we had to each other that actually made us married. But these wedding rings are a, are a profound sign and seal of our marriage commitment. They, they seal the promises that we make to each other. They solidify the vows that we are speaking. They, they cement this, this union we have, this covenant of marriage that we make between one another in the sight of God and our friends and family. Baptism does a similar thing for Christians. It's not baptism that makes you a Christian. That's important. There's nothing in this water. There's no, no magic properties here. There's no magic chlorine that Ken's poured in here that's suddenly going to dramatically transform people's lives and make them holy. This is, this is just a pool full of water. It's just a physical thing. It's not baptism. It's not the act of baptism that makes someone a Christian. But baptism is a profound sign and seal of a person's faith commitment to Jesus. It's a seal of the commitment you make to give your heart to Jesus as your governing authority. It solidifies your union, your identification with the person of Jesus. It cements that covenant that God makes with you through Jesus Christ. Baptism is a symbol, but it's more than a symbol. It's more than just symbolic. Baptism is a sign that carries real power, The physical is a container for the spiritual. That's why for a long time the church has described baptism as a sacrament. A sacrament is something that is physical, something that is done that is a physical act or a physical object, but it carries spiritual power. The visible gives expression to the invisible. This physical pool, in a sense, is a container for a spiritual reality that we see happening as people are baptized. And in particular, baptism is a sign and a seal of two things. Paul mentions both of them here in Romans 6. In the first instance, baptism is a sign and a seal of a person's union with Jesus in his death. Listen again to verse 3 from Romans 6. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So the first thing that's going to happen when these people jump into this pool is that they're going to go down into the water, right? They're going to to be immersed in the pool. And this is a profound symbol and seal of them dying to their old self. They are consumed, in a sense, by the waters. They are immersed in the waters. And this gives testimony to the fact that their old self, that old identity, that identity governed by sin, governed by self, self self-driven, self-interested, self-absorbed, self-obsessed life, it's dying, it's being consumed it's being cut off it's being crucified just like to use the to use the exodus analogy just like pharaoh and his armies were consumed by the waters of the red sea a person's old identity the old life is consumed by the waters of baptism again not that the physical water is doing that but the faith commitment that backs it up that's what's happening the old identity is dying that old self is gone Now that doesn't mean, and this is going to disappoint some of you guys being baptized, that doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. It'd be nice to think so. It'd be nice to think that when the person came up out of the water, that was it. There was a little halo around their head, and they were going to be these angelic beings for the rest of their lives. John and Tracy, I'm sorry, Bree's not going to be like that. I don't think. It doesn't mean they're never going to sin, but when you look at the language of Romans 6, what it does mean is that the body ruled by sin is done away with. That's how Paul describes it. He says, So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, in verse 6. What happens when a person dies with Jesus and is identified with his death is that we're no longer slaves to sin. Now, we're going to keep on doing things wrong. We're going to keep on stumbling. We're going to keep on messing up and screwing up and stuffing up. But we're going to do it because we choose to give power back to sin, sadly enough. Not because we have to anymore. But because we choose to go back to that life sometimes, and we choose to go back to those things. But as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, someone whose old self has been crucified, we're no longer governed by sin. Sin is no longer your master. It's no longer your ruling authority. You're no longer under its governance. But now you are under the governance of Jesus. That old self is done away with and cut off. And it's demonstrated in the immersion, in the going down into the waters of baptism. So these people are going to go down. They're going to be immersed and then we hold them down for a little while because you've got to be buried with Jesus too. So you go down there and we just wait for a while and just make sure the old self is really dead. And usually about the time the bubbles stop coming up, that's pretty safe time. And we, and we, and we raise them up again. And this is the other great movement of baptism is the coming up out of the water. And Paul describes it in, uh, in, in verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So what is happening when these people come up out of the waters of baptism is they are giving expression to this new life in Jesus. They're dying with Jesus and then they're being resurrected with Jesus. It's this profound demonstration of resurrection that is happening as a person comes up out of the water. Resurrection into a new identity. Just as Jesus was resurrected to new life, these people are resurrected to new life in Him. In fact, it's not even their identity anymore. It's Jesus' identity. That's why Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me, because my old self was crucified with Him. So these people are being raised up, to this resurrected life where their identity is now wrapped up and consumed by and enveloped in the identity of Jesus Christ himself this identity in which there is forgiveness of sins, this identity in which there is now the presence and gift of the Spirit, this identity in which they're they're now members of God's family, this identity in which they're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, this identity in which they're participants in the new creation and have the hope of that new creation uh, beyond this present age. That's the new identity. That's resurrection. That's what you're going to witness. And that is why when people come up out of the waters of baptism, that moment should be accompanied by the, the biggest and loudest cheering and clapping of your lives because you are witnessing resurrection, new life testified to. So get ready, all right? Start you know, clearing your, your throats and, and getting their hands ready because there should be some serious rapturous applause when these people uh, come up from the waters of baptism. It really is just something amazing and dramatic that you witness When you see baptism, it's an amazing sacrament that Jesus has gifted to the church. You're seeing the death and resurrection of Jesus all over again. In a way, it's like watching an Easter pageant. You're seeing this graphic, symbolic representation of the death and resurrection of Jesus using the image of water. But then it's more personal than that, because it's not just something happening on stage, divorced from real life. You're seeing these individual lives join themselves to the death and resurrection of Jesus and participate in the very realities that they are enacting, death and resurrection. And you're seeing lives being consumed by the dying and the rising of Jesus all over again. Because baptism is so powerful, because it is so sacramental, the place that it belongs in the life of the Christian is right around the time when you first give your life to Jesus. And this is one of the great disappointments in the contemporary church is that we've torn apart baptism and conversion. So we come to Jesus, people make a decision to place their faith in Jesus, and then it's often a long, 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 long time before they decide to get baptized. And of course, then the question becomes, well, when's a good time? And sadly, what I've experienced is that baptism, if it's left too long, becomes about works. And people feel like they've got to be good enough. They've got to be spiritual enough. They've got to get a few more sins sorted out in their lives. They've got to be a little bit closer to God. They've got to be a bit more together. They've got to be a bit more free from temptation. They've got to reach almost the stage of enlightenment before they can be baptized. We've actually reversed what baptism is supposed to be all about. You're being immersed into Jesus because you can't do it. That's the point. You're being immersed into his death on your behalf. You're being immersed into his life because your life's never going to get you there. You're being enveloped again in the grace of Jesus. It's not just your initial conversion that's about grace. Baptism's just about grace too. And we would do a great service to the gospel if we reunited baptism around the time that a person makes an initial faith commitment to Jesus. It's when it happened in the New Testament, usually on the same day. As a person, if you wanted to become a Christian in the New Testament, you would look around for the closest lake, ocean, river or swamp, and you would wade into the water, and often it was right there, you'd make a confession of faith, and you'd be baptized, so that what's happening on the inside is being visually and graphically represented by what is happening on the outside in real time. That's, the, that, that's how baptism is intended to work. And so it doesn't matter how long it's been since you first gave your life to Jesus baptism never stops being important it never stops being important you may have been following Jesus a few days amanda gave her life to Jesus earlier this year or you may have been walking with Jesus for decades and decades and decades like derek but baptism never stops being important. There is no statute of limitations on baptism. There is never a time after which it doesn't matter. There's never a time after which so much time has passed, and who cares, and let's just push it to the back of our minds, and I'm already a Christian, so what's the big deal? It's always a big deal. Jesus is always inviting you to the waters. He's always inviting you to take this step of obedience and submission to Him to signify and seal your union with Him in death and resurrection. So whether you've been following Jesus nine minutes or 99 years, doesn't matter. If you're in the latter category, we will help you out of your wheelchair. We'll lower you into the pool. We'll do what's needed to be done because we want to honor this sacrament of baptism. It's so powerful. And most importantly, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is a sign and seal that can accompany that very first step of faith that you make. And you may be here today, and you may be ready to make that commitment to Jesus for the first time. And what better time to make it than when we've got the pool already set up. This is a step you can take today. Now, we haven't done this before, but I want to invite you, if you have not given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you, invite you to make that commitment today, placing your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of His Holy Spirit, and signify that and seal that, in the waters of baptism. In other words, you can join these four people today. And just in case you thought you were off the hook, if you're already a follower of Jesus and you have not yet taken the step, I will encourage you to do it today. Don't make Ken set the pull up again. <laughs> He'll do it whenever he needs to. <laughs> Won't you, Ken? But, you know, here we are. There's nothing more. If you're you're a committed follower of Jesus, if you've made that decision, that's the hard decision. This should be easy. If you've committed your life and your heart over to Jesus Christ, this is a natural and logical next step. I want to give you the invitation that you can join the line today and you can get baptized today. We've got towels, we've got togs, we've thought of everything. We've got clothes down here in all kinds of sizes. We'll protect your dignity. Don't worry, you'll be fine. So here's the deal. I'm serious about this. We're going to, In a minute, we're going to share in communion together. So people are going to be getting up and moving around anyway. If God is stirring your heart today, and, and maybe you've never thought about it before you walked into this room, but you realize this is not something I've done, and this is important. This is biblical. This is from Jesus, and this is necessary for me. If today is your day, our elders are going to be standing at the back during communion, and you are welcome to just... Quietly move to the back. If you want to go and take the, uh, the wafer and the juice first, that's fine. You can take those and then take them to the back. And just have a quiet conversation with one of our elders. Just to talk through briefly this commitment that you want to make. And on the basis of that confession, we're very, very willing and excited to baptize you as part of this gathering. So it doesn't matter. Maybe your friends and family aren't here, but we'll take photos and send it to them. Today can be your day so our elders will be there and they would love to have conversations with any of you that would like to take this step right here as part of this gathering so i'm going to pray now and then we are going to take the other wonderful sacrament of the church which is communion jesus gave us these two object lessons of grace baptism and eucharist together telling the story telling the story of salvation telling the story of death and resurrection physical acts physical symbols that seal and confirm the grace of Jesus in our lives. So let's pray and then we'll share in communion first. Jesus we thank you for these, these wonderful physical reminders of what you have done in our lives and what you ask us to do in response to you. We thank you Jesus for the sacrament of communion we thank you for its power as we, as we are nourished again by the wafer and the juice. Lord, we're reminded by, of your grace. Lord, we're just nourished again by your love and your grace on our behalf. And we thank you that they speak of your body broken, your blood poured out for us, the incredible atoning sacrifice of your death given for us, your life laid down. And Jesus, we thank you then as we move to celebrate together and witness together the sacrament of baptism, that we see these lives that have died with You and been raised to new life with You. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room that You would use these powerful visual signs and seals to refresh our faith, renew our commitment, and stir again our longing for You and for Your kingdom and for Your gospel. We thank You, Jesus, and we celebrate with You and with all heaven that we know is rejoicing this morning over the commitment and testimony of these four lives. And we look forward to witnessing that together in a moment. And we thank you, Jesus, now give you praise and glory in your precious and your holy name. Amen. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shore Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90, 30 90. To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.